callings capture the most positive connection between people and their work. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Squeezing the Orange Open Brackets of Social Science Close Brackets. My name is Agen Omobitan. I'm here with Dan Cable, and this is... See, this is what happens when I try to remix the intro. This is the Squeezing the Orange podcast. We've got some social science. The two of us, we read these peer-reviewed and published papers, and then we squeeze them for their best parts, so you, the lovely listeners, don't have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature, of which this one is quite a beefy one as well, like 40 plus pages. What's up, Dan? Hey, Akin. Uh, it's beefy, but I found it really compelling as well. Um, it's one of these qualitative research studies that we like to bring listeners from time to time. Mm. And for me, there's, I guess, two things about them I like, just broad picture. One is it's beefy, but it's also kind of compelling because it's gritty. And you're really getting into people's lives with their quotes. Mm. And I think, second, I kind of like how open and exploratory such a thing feels as opposed to like, here is the logic that leads us to make this proposition. And, you know, we'll go in with a survey and test that and only that. You know, and it's kind of nice that it's big and open and kind of wide. It's got the personal touch. And uh, speaking of personal touches, uh, shout outs to Matt Bloom, uh, Amy Colbert, Jordan Nielsen. And the title of this paper is Stories of Calling, How Called Professionals Construct Narrative Identities. So th- there's a fair bit going on in this, uh, in this paper. And what we're going to do, listeners, is we're going to pretty much give you a bit of a roadmap as to what is happening when people are pursuing or in pursuit of their calling. You might be able to find yourself somewhere on this chart because I think this is going to be like a, a squeeze in the orange first. We're going we're gonna to get into, like really get into one of the figures because it does, it does lay out the, uh, the pathways that are most traveled. Um, but before we, we dive in uh, into the waters, Dan, so off the top, what were some of your, your thoughts, impressions, feelings? Yeah. Thank you for asking. I mean, the first thing I want to do is um, mention that this concept of a calling is something that we've talked about before. Do you remember the zookeepers? Mm. <laughs> um, uh, December 10th, so almost a year ago, we covered... The idea that sometimes a calling sounds really good, except it makes people exploit themselves or it makes them exploit a bull to companies. Mm. So that particular one was about zookeepers that basically gave up their relationships and their lives to like, shovel, <laughs> shovel <laughs> pig <crack>. poop. Gotta gotta hose out the cage, and so I'm gonna go in there at midnight. And, you know, but I anyway, um, I actually love the concept of calling, and not that I believe we all need one, but I love the idea that sometimes you can get so into your work that it really feels like an extension of you, and it's like what you have to do almost. I think it's mm. a real cool concept. And, and, and I can, I'd love just for you to muse on this, but I do think that sometimes we, we put so much emphasis on purpose and purposeful work and having a calling that it could make like 90% of the world feel like, well, what's wrong with me? Like, why do I just have a job? <laughs> why don't I feel called to do my work? Well, yeah, wasn't it like one of the recent like Gallup surveys that suggested that it was, oh man, I really wish I really wish I had the numbers in front of me, but it was something like about between like 80 and 90% of people at work, they're just there. 
Like yeah. they're like, I would have eighty percent. Eighty was it about eighty percent? Eighty percent. I've seen between seventy and eighty percent reliably. Like Gallup's done this, Deloitte has done this, McKinsey's done. This. I've seen so many, and it's a real consistent finding that it doesn't mean they're evil or immoral. It's just a job. Like <laughs> listen, I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's just I need money, and right. this is a thing that I do to make money. And um, that's how normal people live. And then sometimes you get papers like this. And by the way, and people like me, because frankly, being a professor does feel that way to me. And I what, often do feel. It feels like what then? I would say that being a professor, if not a calling, it just defines me a lot. Yes. It, it feels to me that if I wasn't a professor, I'm not sure what I would be or who I would be. Mm, I feel so. You. I mean, I am on the side of really deeply, deeply being immersed in what I'm doing and feeling as though it's a joy to get to do it. But I do also have a lot of gratitude because I think it's rare. Oh, oh, it is totally rare. Like most people, they've got their sandwiches and they they turn up every day. And it's almost as if the sandwiches were filled with bitterness and just a, a lack of... <laughs> A lack of longing for tomorrow. They're like, it wouldn't be the worst thing if the ground opened up and swallowed me because I'm really not up to that much here. I mean, <laughs> at least swallowed me up until Saturday. I mean, <laughs> if, it, if it spit me back out on Saturday, then we're good. <laughs> but but there, are, there are individuals out there who are in a position, and this is, I think this is what's pretty dope about this. So... This idea of having a job in which you feel it is your calling, what it does is that it, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to lay out this figure, but I'm just going to quickly jump to the kind of the end point that you want to kind of get to. You want to get to a point where your personality and your, I guess, your professional integrity, so your personal authenticity, I believe they refer to it as here, and like your professional integrity, you want to get to a point where the two of them are, are wed. And so for, for many individuals, and this kind of folds into some of like the icky guy stuff as well, this idea of like, you, we're, we're trying to be whole beings and that's whole beings at work and also outside of work as well. So it's, it's quite breathtaking. Well, not breathtaking. That's probably like overselling it a bit, but it's actually, it's quite uplifting. That's the word that I'm looking for to know that you have individuals that have either found their calling. So they're either there and they feel this. But it doesn't mean that if, you, if you're not there, it doesn't mean that you cannot get there. It just means that one day you might just need to write your resignation letter, hand it in, and then go pursue what it is that you're called to do. And this is where we could jump into this paper, really, because we've got the calling pathways. So <laughs> what I'm going to do... We got it. We got it. We got it. We got all of your problems solved here and now. Uh, or a money back guarantee. This is going to sort out. We're going to sort your lives out for you, listeners. So have a pen and pad, jot some of this stuff down. But it, it starts off at the point where it's split into finding or discovering a calling. And so what I'll do that is I, I, I want to throw to yourself really, because they use language, they call it the calling pathways. And they say one of them is discernment journeys. And the other one is exploration journeys. I don't know if you want to take on one or both of those. And we'll kind of get this ball rolling in terms of how it is that people are finding themselves at the point where they feel they are called. But then also for those who maybe aren't there or on that journey, 
this might give some insights and clues as to what you could possibly do. Yeah. And Akin, I, I want to highlight something you said a little while ago, because Ooh. for my money, it is the single most important thing in this entire paper. And you've already said it, but I want to reiterate it. Oh, nice. If you study this stuff and you know the science of like Amy Wierzynski or you look at like Justin Berg or the people that like really do study this stuff and publish in the top journals, one of the newest and most important things about this is that you don't have to know it at birth or very, very young Mm. for it to feel like a calling. And to be honest, it's not even a thought that I'd really had before. So- You know, it is really cool that there's this, um, so what Atkins talking about in terms of this figure starts on the far left as the finding or discovering a calling. And in my thinking and reading about this, it's really been something where from a very, very young age, you sort of knew that this was the path you were going to go on. And as one of the comments in one of the um, quotes in this article said, it's like jumping from dot to dot but all the dots are pointing toward the calling. Almost like it's preordained and you just need to get to it. And one of the things that this paper pointed out really effectively is that for a lot of people, it's not like that at all. And you don't know that really early on. And it's really like an exploration. It has a lot of luck. There's a lot of like bumping around and serendipity. And you sort of meet people you never thought you'd meet, but then they inspire you. And then you find the work that you love but you don't really think it's over that way until you get over that way. And so, Akin, I'd actually love to hear you say, is that something that you sort of always associated with a calling? Or did that also surprise you? Or like, what's your response to that? Yeah, so like, what I find interesting is this pathway is very similar, but it doesn't appear to be that way. So my original thoughts of a a calling is probably walking uh, along a beach and then, you know, there's like a lightning that strikes like, you know, several feet from you and you're like, oh my God, like I could have been like burst into flames. And then you go and look over it and there's like a shell that's pointing towards a shack. So you go over to the shack as if led by some divine spirit and they're like, we're hiring. And then that's how I become a surfboard instructor. Like it's just, so like, I kind of like, there was a certain mysticism that I kind of grew up with regarding like, you know, what a calling is. I think that was like a lot of heavy church influence as well. And probably also just watching too many movies. Like it's just the science is out there, peeps. Press stop on the movies because they're selling us all a dream that none of us can live up to. That very, 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 very few of us will ever experience. And yet somehow it's held out there as the high watermark of a career. Romanticized. It's really romanticized. And, and, you know, it's interesting you bring up the religion, both because of your own personal life, but in the context of this study, a load of the data comes from people in the religious services, you know? And yeah. I actually think, if, I, if, I, if I'm not overstating it, the whole word a calling, part of what I don't like about that is because it has a lot of religious connotations. Mm. It really has a lot of, like, God calling you. Like, here's the thing. Once you God say a calling, the next it. question is, well, who's doing the calling? <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't even like it for that reason. I don't love the phrase. <laughs> but yeah, you, that's a great point as well, Dan, because we should reference. I think this was one of the, the limited areas of the study is that they were looking primarily at roles in which there is this kind of... Um, 
uh, service capacity. And I don't mean service capacity as in like um, uh, retail or... Yeah, that's right. These like, aren't call center operators. Yeah, this is, this is... So they had like pastors of churches, physicians, uh, aid workers, and teachers as well. So, uh, so this was like a really unique kind of like group in that sense. But then also all of them had like a minimum uh, of seven years experience. We're going to get into a bit of the method as well, actually, while we're, sure, while we're on sure. the subject. So what yeah. they were doing is that they were getting these individuals. There's about 250 of them, give or take a few. And they were from those uh, four industries mentioned, all with a minimum of seven years experience. And as Dan mentioned at the top, it was a qualitative study. So they, they interviewed them. They interviewed them about how they ended up where they are. And what they were looking for was how there was a lot about identity. This, like, how do you, like, when you mentioned, Dan, about identifying as a professor, so it's like, at what point do you, are you able to, like, I guess, claim that? Or at what point that does that become uh, part of your identity? And so what's really fascinating about these these two avenues of, of callings is so, they, they're very similar in the sense of it's a bit like a mirror. So you have some individuals who, when they're like, I don't know, they're a kid, they're seven years old and, you know, they're a big fan of some TV show or one day they go to some area with their folks and then they're like, oh my gosh, that person's a marine biologist. I'd love to do that someday. And so people feel this, this calling there. And so with that form of a calling, when you realize it when you're young, or it doesn't even have to be young, as Dan mentioned earlier, it can be at any stage. What's happening at that point is that you know the end point that you're trying to get to and you know the milestones that you need to hit. I need to go study at this place. I need to get some experience here. I need to maybe listen to this or watch that. So you now start, you start being drawn towards that end point. And so it mirrors itself in the sense of individuals who more so explore the world and find themselves at a calling when they look back, what they then tend to do is see these milestones. And so this is where it does get a bit kind of like mystic because you have some individuals who, when they begin their path, they feel like I am drawn to this one specific thing. And then on the other side, you have individuals who are like, oh no, I was pulled towards this one different thing. Um, so those yeah, are like, let me, yeah, let me throw ahead. in here that second approach. It's almost like one path is like, I knew this all along. And the other path is like, well, I knew it wasn't that. So I kept looking. Mm, you know, yes. it, it really is very interesting because one of them is like, you're bumping into things. It's like you're glancing off of life and you're like, no, that ain't it. And, and no, that ain't it. But then you find through serendipity, all these cool things that show you what it's going to be and that's almost like you ever watch steve jobs like speech his like graduation speech where he was like yes he bounced into all these different things where he like dropped in and out of uni and he went to classes on like how to how um letters are formed he did all this stuff and like learning and then it was only in looking back and saying all that basically allowed me to create a company that makes computers you know, but I had no idea when I was like sitting in a class and then quitting college that somehow that would be part of my path. And I think that that is um, somehow, Akin, it's a bit more empowering to me. It's more mm. empowering to me. And well, I think, how so? Well, let's, I'm going to say that I got lucky in a way. You know, I've been lucky in so, so many ways. But one way I got lucky is my dad and mom didn't go to university. But I read a lot and they allowed me to go to university. And I knew within, honestly, 
I would say in my first semester for sure, but maybe in the first couple of months that like, oh, being a college professor, yeah, that's for me. Yeah, that's the thing. And from there, it really was a matter of just talking to college professors and saying, what are the milestones? Like, what do I got to do to get your thing? In fact, there was this one, negative, one guy named Rick Jacobs. And thank you, Rick, to this up, day. Rick? I just wrote him a gratitude letter last fall. I went to him and said, I just want you a job. Like, what do I got to do to get the job that you have? <laughs> so like, he literally, paid. he said, okay, you got to take these tests. I'm going to get you in this PhD seminar. We're going to blah, blah, blah. That's not how it works for most people. I think that for most people, like, you know, I was 18 years old. I think for a lot of people, you come out 21, 22 years old, you don't really know what you want to do. You take some job, it kind of sucks. You take on some other job, that one kind of sucks too. Six, seven, eight, ten 10 years later, all of a sudden you might start to see that if I use all those skills I've developed, I'd be really well placed to do this. Anyway, I think that that is more empowering somehow because it means all of us can find something that feels like a uh, calling, but yep. not in like that strike of lightning way. Yes. Yeah. And so you mentioned as well, Dan, this, uh, this journey that you went on. Cause so we, we've discussed like the, uh, the calling pathways. So you have the individuals who at some point they realize this is the thing that I wish to do. And then they go in pursuit of that thing. And then you have others who they basically just happen upon it. It's like you start a job and you realize, oh, snap, like I'm good at this and I enjoy this and they're going to pay me for it. And some people Done. need this. Okay, Picky cool, man. Guy. Done, right? <laughs> Bingo. Uh, <laughs> but there's, so there's a bit before you start feeling like, oh, I found my calling. So one of the areas before that is it's a nascent called identity. And my scrubby version of this nascent called identity is when you are you're pretty much, I'd say you're more than in touching distance. You, you're, you're touching it. You just don't really know what you do. And that sounds filthy, actually. But oh, you right. got your, <laughs> I mean, it sounds my filthy mind's in, my, mind's right. in, my mind's in the gutter. That's you're it. snug up against the thing, but you don't know who it is yet. <laughs> Listen, we only got to do prom once, okay? It wasn't... What's that noise? I think it was a calling. I don't know. <laughs> Is that your calling or are you just happy to see me? Was that just your stomach rumbling? <laughs> so this idea of nascent called identity. So this is kind of like, it's when you're at a point where you can, you're close enough to identify. So if we take, uh, if we take yourself, Dan, as an example, so before you're a full-fledged professor and calling yourself a professor, which parts of your journey would you say you're at that kind of like nascent called identity bit? And what does that, I guess, mean for, for the listeners as well? Yeah, that's really, one of the things that's really cool about this part of the paper, and again, I'd say this is pretty new too. You know, it's the idea, and this is a new idea for me too, that you now have the calling. Okay, you either stumbled into it through glancing off of life a bunch of times, or you knew from the time you were seven because your parents were both doctors and you were going to be a doctor too. But one way or another, you're like, no, I'm going to do that thing. That's my calling. But you're still no good at it. That was your point. Like, you still haven't like, you haven't gotten any practice. You haven't got any calluses yet. You haven't really like, put the time in. Yep. And so like for me, an example of that, I think, if I'm not mistaken, would be I read 
like crazy. I read everything I could growing up. I always was reading growing up. So like books and knowledge and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I knew I had that, but I had no idea what to do with it. Then I wind up in a psychology class at 18 years old. I'm like, ding, but that doesn't mean I can go be a professor. Like that was a nation called identity, but then it took, I had to finish up that, get into, get a master's degree, get a PhD and then get a job. It was like, you know, another 10 years of learning how to do research, of learning how to do, you know, like teaching and like figuring out how to become credentialized. And, and that's actually some of the things that we can like then move into, Akin. But I have a question for you first. Oh, go for but it. Then it ain't done. This is what's so cool about this paper. Even when you start to get your calluses in your practice, you might become proficient and legitimate as like a professional but it doesn't mean that you feel authentic. Mm. I think that's also really a cool finding in this paper. But before we get there, Akin, do you have any, can you talk at all about, I mean, maybe you don't want to, and that's okay to say. <laughs> but like, do you have any sort of calling or did you have a calling when you were like closer to religion or like, what would you say about your experience with that like nascent called identity? Oh my gosh. You know what? Like it's, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, let me have a, like a breakdown on Mike. So like I was, I was recently, I was recently at my, my folks place and they're, they're a bit like, they're a fair bit disappointed that like I stopped going to church. And I think a big part of this is because back when I was going to church, this is not even that long ago, mm. they had grand kind of like grand visions of me yes. becoming a pastor of a church. Now, I'd never said that this was my calling. But it seemed like it was. Like yeah. I seemed like they whispered I was, it in your ear a lot <laughs> <laughs> while I slept. I'll just wake up with dad staring at me, like just lowly, just <laughs> quietly singing hymns. <laughs> You're gonna be a pastor. <laughs> you are the salt of the earth, my boy. <laughs> And you're like, get that out of my ear. Get that out of my ear. So there, there was definitely this large, like, nascent called identity. Because I would go to church and, like, you know, I was, I was teaching at church. And I was, I was being invited to other churches as well to, like, like, preach the word of God. And there was areas where people were a bit like, they would call me, like, junior pastor. You're, mm. And, like, people who were at the church, they were like, you're my future pastor. Mm. And I was a bit like, mate, if you have any idea how rough I'm still feeling from the weekend, mate, <laughs> <laughs> you will find several other gods to pray to. <laughs> I'm not going to. There's no one behind me. I was just life. praying to the porcelain god in that bathroom about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> So that was like, that was very much like, it was a very long extended nascent period for me as well. And I think a big part of that is because I, I wanted to explore, like, not just in terms of like professionally, but I wanted to explore the world. Like I wanted to explore life. So the idea of having this fixed destination, it didn't, didn't come with a certain freedom for, for me. So um, there was a lot of resistance there from myself, but that was, I'd say that was kind of like my, my nascent called idea. Yeah. Because this was very much like, this was on the verge. I think there were a lot of individuals who were just waiting for me to say the word. And then I would have been, I don't know, maybe like ordained or um, yeah. put on some sort of like a pastoral path. Yeah. Um, you know what's really interesting to me as an external observer of you, Akin, that was one of the life, serendipitous life experiences that maybe your parents 
pushed you toward that calling, but your experience with that has given you a real presence in front of groups and a real authority in terms of the way that you speak and hold yourself. So it is interesting that as you move toward being, say, more of a comedian or a podcast host, those skills are now probably part of those those what do we call them signposts or something yeah milestones yeah milestones yeah i I do think it's kind of interesting that we each can look at how we're playing through this map like this is what i found really interesting and this is why i feel like it's it's something that's totally solid for the listeners as well because you you have this beginning where the calling pathway so if you are at a stage where you are getting up and going to work every day um you might be feeling a bit like, well, you know, what is this all for? Like, will, will I ever feel, you know, um, like a love for my work? But what could possibly be happening is you're, you're in this exploratory phase. And if you're in a situation where you're, you know what it is that you're working toward, that's also great because there's a path that you just need to hit those milestones. I say just like, you know, you just need to, you know, graduate from medical school and you just need to... <laughs> Pass the bar exam and you just like, <laughs> but like, so after the nascent area as well, I'll, I'll shuffle us along then because um, yeah. we can wrap up the next few bits as well because it's all heading towards a, an obvious destination. So, so there's a, a couple parts there. So one of them is crafting personal authenticity. And yeah. then the other one is achieving professional legitimacy. So now we've kind of like touched on these a bit. So this is regardless of which side you fall on, whether you, you know where it is that you, you, you're going and you've known this since you were a kid or you've accidentally stumbled upon after you hit this nascent phase where you're pretty much doing the thing but you're just not great at it one of the things in which we need to uh how do i put this uh, align yes. within ourselves internally and yeah. externally so the internal yeah. alignment is this idea of crafting personal authenticity did you want to say say anything i do do. and if you i'm going to do this quick so i won't try to take up too much time but what i thought i would do for listeners is really quickly read two actual quotes from the opposite sides of coming to this point and one is going to be the one that sort of knew it all along and one was more of an explorer who found it but what's so cool is they both ended up in a place where they could be legitimate that doesn't mean they felt authentic. Mm. That's so cool to me. But here they are. The first one, which is like the series of connected dots, and they all pointed toward my calling. It was like this. When I was a child, my mom is a nurse, and so I was always interested in the medical field as far as helping people. She was a nurse for our family, for everybody we saw, neighbors, everybody. She's always taking care of everybody. They came to my mom. So I liked that idea. I liked how she helped people. So that's probably when it started. I was like six, seven years old, I'm sure versus I ended up being an intern for the NGO. I had no idea what that experience was going to be like, but it was really good. Next, I went to a big university. I was doing this study on religion and urban culture. They needed interns to go to church as many times as you could on Sunday and write up the experiences. The formula was an hour of worship and three hours of studying. It was great. Now, I'm still oblivious. I'm still not thinking that I want to work in a church. I just think it's a nice summer job. I don't know why. Then I haul off to Africa and I lived with an aid worker and she's probably in her 60s at the time. That was great. I learned a lot from her. One day I showed up, I was like, I just don't fit in here. And essentially based on that, it leads to this person being an aid worker with this religious bent. 
Now, in both of those cases, they get to a point where they are legitimate and they are doing the work that they feel called to do, but they don't feel like they're plugged into what's most unique about themselves. Mm. And I think that's a really cool, I've experienced that, Akin. I have to tell you, I got to be a actual professor down at Georgia Tech. I was a professor of management. I'm publishing in these top journals. It just didn't really feel like it was me enough in a weird way. Like what I was researching, it was publishable, but it, it didn't feel like me. And then also the teaching. It felt like I was teaching other people's stuff pretty effectively, but like not my stuff. Mm. And it took a while, and I mean probably another 10 years, until I got to the point where it was my own self I was bringing into the classroom. And like I was talking like I would with friends. I was really laying it out from my point of view. And and also with the research, like I was researching things the way I wanted to do them. And I was researching things that like, for a long time, I just published things that were publishable. <laughs> I mean, they were science, but like, it wasn't like, I need to know. And it kind of got <laughs> to the point where it was like, I just think this would be really cool to learn more about. So anyway, I think that long story short is that was a pretty cool finding that popped out of all these quotes again and again and again was just because you're there doesn't necessarily mean that you've woven your uniqueness in. Mm, there's a really interesting parallel there, Dan, because when I, when I was teaching, I was teaching at church, I was teaching like, um, just like, you know, just heaps of adults. So essentially like, you know, kind of like teaching, teaching peers. And yep. so the church used to use these, like um, these educational books. So the idea was that all of the church teachers had to study the educational books and then present their findings to the rest of the, well, to the congregation, essentially. And I just got to a point where I was just a bit like, well, anyone can do that. So what I started doing was essentially like my own research. So like during the week in my own time, I would just crack open the Bible, find themes that I wanted to talk about. I opened up Microsoft PowerPoint. I was inserting like my own pictures, finding like, you know, Bible scriptures that I wanted to use. And I just started designing these half an hour, like teaching sessions. And then I just felt like more alive. I felt more alive at work. There's a plug for yourselves. Go onto like Amazon beeps and type in alive at work, Dan Gable. Uh, (laughs) But I started feeling more alive because there was a bit like, oh, this is like, this is me. And I was talking, like you mentioned, a lot more conversationally to individuals about life and spirituality. Um, so we, we're like having way too much fun with this. So I'm going to, ju- so on, as, as well as crafting personal authenticity, and we won't go into too much depth with this next one. It's just this idea of you've got to achieve p- professional legitimacy. So this could be like qualifications. It could be certifications. It could be um, maybe like uh, the level of years that you've kind of like spent there. Uh, but then also this achieving professional legitimacy, they also refer to like, um, being, uh, I guess, approved Approved. by the individuals that you are uh, serving. I'll use the word serving uh, or by your peers as well. So there's a point where you get that stamp of approval. So if you're like, uh, if you've always wanted to be a chef and you've been, you know, you, you started your own like, you know, burger truck thing. And then one day a customer after finishing the burger, they're like, I just have to come back and let you know that this is the best burger that I've had in East London. Thank you very much. Then you're a bit like, oh snap, like that's, that's not about like how much the burger costs. That's I've actually touched someone's soul. 
And then maybe the next, uh, next occasion, someone who owns a burger restaurant comes over to your van and they're like, look, I had to try one of these things. So I got one. I didn't let you know it was me. I got one of my team, to, but this is just fantastic. Yes. You ever want to come over and chop up some recipes over at my restaurant? We'd love to have you to do like a collab. Then you feel a bit like, oh my God, I'm legit. Yes. Like I'm Akin, let the me real ask you a deal. question. Go for it. I think what you've done, which is very helpful, is you've just, in my opinion, shown us the difference between when your beneficiaries, your customers, the people you serve, mm. give you that respect versus when there's other called professionals, other people who are like, at yeah. and, and that's actually, in some ways for me, the last important part of this model. The last important part of this model is when people who you respect as being the bomb, as being like called professionals, they're inviting you into their club because they see it in you. And that for me is where the paper kind of ends. That vast, that last little bit in the model, which is called the integrated called identity. To yep. me, that's almost like the outcome of it all. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like we did a reasonably good job of covering the whole model, telling folks a little bit about the sample and a little bit about the quotes without getting bogged down. And actually, I can, I had a lot of fun learning a little bit more about you through this paper. Ah, <laughs> we're going to have to uh, head out for some drinks sometime, Dan, and I'm going to convert you to, uh, to Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Maybe that'll make your dad happy. You know? Yeah, that'll make my dad happy. I'd be like, Dad, you can't have me, but have this professor, dude. I got dude. one. <laughs> this was a Patrick, lot of fun. Thank you very much. This was right a joy to cover you, with dad. you. Oh, thanks for rocking with us, listeners, as always. Uh, and yeah, uh, as, as always is the case as well, if you see us tweet about it, post about it on LinkedIn, we'd love it if you could hit share, if you could hit retweet, like, whatever. If you know someone who's like in a transition phase regarding their career, ping this over to them. Hopefully they get some inspiration or a laugh. And if you know someone who knows where they're heading and maybe they just need that little bit of a nudge so that they know that what you're going through, it's, uh, it's, it's a process that many of us find ourselves in. It's almost unavoidable unless you're one of those rich kids living in Hollywood. Uh, so with that said, should we just get the hell out of here, Dan? Cheers, everyone. Cheers, Ciao. Cheers.